1: Hey, Bengals fans, Anthony Cazenzo with CincyJungle.com and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Week 17 is in the books. The 2020 season is in the books. Not exactly the way that the Cincinnati Bengals wanted to ring in the new year. And they bring their old foe to town, the Baltimore Ravens, and get shellacked to the tune of 38-3. to The Baltimore Ravens sat many of their starters by the time the fourth quarter commenced. And the Bengals were completely outmatched throughout this entire game. And they end the season 4 11 and 1. So look, Baltimore's in the playoffs now. They finished the season 11 and 5 earlier today um, as well. Cleveland beat Pittsburgh. So they are in. And Pittsburgh already won the division. So now you got three AFC North teams of the seven total teams making the playoffs in the AFC. They're all coming from the AFC. Of course, the lone one not making the playoffs. Are our Cincinnati Bengals? They finish four eleven and one, as I said. And now there appears to be more questions and answers. This was a thorough, thorough dominating, a uh, domination by the Baltimore Ravens. Just a thorough domination today by the Baltimore Ravens. Usually, I get to the stats later. We're gonna do the stats first, and then we're gonna get to some talking points after at the back end of the show, and we'll uh, we'll end it there. Uh, again, I'm Anthony Cazenza with CincyJungle.com. Happy to have all of you with us, whether you're joining us on our Twitter account at OBI, live on Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, or on our Orange and Black Insider YouTube account. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you had a safe, happy, healthy New Year. Hope things are better ahead for sure, but, uh, you know, at least in terms of the Bengals and, and what happened for us in 2020. But hope you all had a good New Year's. Let's get to some... Stats and all of that good stuff before we get to some talking points, rumors, etc. Um, this is the score page from NFL.com, and here are some stats. If you look to the right side of your, your the screen here that I'm sharing, Lamar Jackson only threw 18 passes, guys. Ten of 18, 113 yards, three touchdowns. He did have the interception. Akeem Davis Gather grabbed his first interception of his career. And then you had Tyler Huntley come in, uh, throw just one pass completed for eight yards, a lot of running. And this, you know, I, I know we love passing the ball. I know it's a passing league. I know the Bengals just drafted Joe Burrow, but this time of year in this division where all of the venues are outside in the AFC North, the weather's not so great. There is value to running the football. And I think, the Baltimore Ravens really taught everybody a lesson about that today. Uh, there is value in running the football. I know the Bengals are a lesser opponent. I know they're banged up, but um, I mean, they came in and absolutely ran the ball down the Bengals throat so much. So in fact, that it was the most rushing yards ever given up by a Cincinnati Bengals defense and the fourth most, uh, if you saw that graphic on the, on the telecast today, the fourth most rushing yards given up by any defense since 1950 in NFL history. So a historic performance by the Baltimore Ravens rushing attack or <laughs> the Bengals defense, depending on how you want to look at that one. JK Dobbins have a day, 13, 13 carries, 100, uh, 160 yards, two touchdowns at 12.3 yards per carry average had no answers for him. The Bengals defense had no answers for the RPO game that, uh, Lamar Jackson and, and the Baltimore offense was throwing at him. No, no answers for the option game. Um, you see J- Lamar Jackson almost had 100 yards on the ground himself, 11 carries, 97 yards, close to nine yards per carry. A maddening, maddening day trying to cover him and, and corral him and not a great day by the Cincinnati Bengals defense. After having such a great d- uh, day the first time, only held him to two rushing yards, I believe, in that first go-round. 97 yards today. So uh, Gus Edwards, another five yards per carry, 12 carries, 60 yards. Mark Ingram, nine carries, 39 yards, four and a half yards per carry for him, basically. Devin Duvernay, <laughs> 22 yards on an under- uh, end around. And uh, Justice Hill having 21 yards on two carries. So they absolutely ran the ball down the Bengals' throats. And then look, I mean, there's just a lot of pedestrian work in the receiving game by the Baltimore Ravens. Nobody over 43 yards receiving because they didn't have to. They didn't have to. And then, of course, you see Marquise Hollywood-Brown there getting the two touchdowns, two touchdown catches from Lamar Jackson. Rough, rough day for Brandon Allen after having a career day. The FedEx Air Player of the Week last week absolutely fell on his face this week. Two interceptions, you see that. Look at all the passes defended. Um, I mean, there, there was just contested ball after contested ball. And... There's eight passes defended that I'm counting, by the way, uh, by these by these players listed there. So, uh, you know, just a rough, rough day. And nothing was really as ugly as the floater interception that he threw to a wide – that should have been to a wide-open A.J. Green when the game was well out of control. Um, you know, just just an ugly, ugly game and an ugly performance by the Cincinnati Bengals – Offense, defense, even special teams didn't. You know, Kevin Huber shanked a punt. They didn't do much in the return game. We'll, we'll talk more about that. Um, you know, this the sacks weren't really an issue this time around. We know that the Baltimore Ravens kind of have an issue of rushing the passer without blitzing a lot of players. Um, that's that's what got Joe Burrow into trouble last uh, last the first time um you know they, they blitzed a lot of players and that they were able to do that but uh you know Brandon Allen was able to escape a lot of pressure today but um you know he was running around and wasn't able to make the plays that he had been making in his previous start so um let's look here at the Bengals side of things Brandon Allen finishes the day six of 21 for 48 yards and two interceptions So now, and this will be a theme that we'll talk about in a few minutes, but these are some of the things now where you started to feel good about progress that had been made, both as a team, as the coaching staff, as individual players, et cetera. You started to feel good about some things heading into 21, and now you have a performance like this, and old questions you had three weeks, a month ago, are now resurfacing. So that's I mean this performance here I I think we were all very comfortable with Brandon Allen having the leg up on the backup quarterback job going into 21 and then you see a performance like this in the division and I mean I know T Higgins left the game but I mean six of 21 for 48 yards and two interceptions that's just an unacceptable performance it really is Um, not all of his fault but uh, you know, I mean, there were some bad, bad throws and, and poor decisions there. Travion Williams had the one big run for four carries, seventy-four yards. Samage P. Ryan, you know, decent, but I mean, the game was just so out of control for a while. Tyler Boyd had a nice end-around there. Um, you know, Gio Bernard three three carries for seven yards. That's not doing it. Um, so, just an abysmal day on offense here. You can see here, nobody. If it was, if it was bad, if it looked. Pedestrian in terms of nobody eclipsing 43 yards on the Baltimore side of things. Check out check out the Bengals side of things on the receiving end. 21 yards by Seathan Carter. That is your team leader. Um, in terms of catches, two catches by Drew Sample was the most receptions by a Bengals player. And uh just an absolutely abysmal, abysmal performance by the Bengals. Only four passes defended. And you did have the interception by Davis Gaither that I mentioned earlier. Nice play by him off a tip. I think it was Marcus Hunt who, uh, yeah, uh, tipped that to him. So Marcus Hunt continues to, to have a, a nice little year for the Bengals in kind of an emergency situation, and they've moved him around a lot on the defensive line, and he's done pretty well. Josh Bynes had a couple of nice plays today, but overall tackling was atrocious. Once again, the Bengals had they just made all kinds of <laughs> business decisions, I guess, on defense. They did not want to have any part of tackling anybody carrying the ball on the Baltimore Ravens side of things, so you know a lot of tackles by Cincinnati Bengals defenders, but not a lot of impactful plays, as you can see, thirty-eight to three, and uh, you know things really kind of derailed at, the, at, at halftime once the Bengals got the ball, but uh, for, to start the half, and then you know they just allowed points, uh, just points upon points uh, by the by the Baltimore Ravens. Let's go here this is some more team stats and this is just to share of the love we're gonna we're gonna pull up the ESPN page this says a lot folks look at the first downs 24 by the Baltimore Ravens 10 by the Cincinnati Bengals today uh, third down efficiency Baltimore was 11 of 17 and one of two on fourth down the Bengals were one of nine on third downs today one of nine. Total plays, seventy-three total plays by the Baltimore Ravens, forty for the Cincinnati Bengals, almost doubled them up. Total yards, look at this one, five hundred twenty-five yards by the Baltimore Ravens to the Bengals, one ninety-five. This is this is nineties esque guys. This is nineteen nineties, lost decade uh, type of stuff that we're seeing here. Um, same amount of drives, which is interesting. Uh, look at the yards per play, seven point two by the Baltimore Ravens, 4.9 by the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, And then the passing yards, 121 to 48. I mean, that wasn't the tail of the tape. Here's what it was, the 404, 404 yards of uh, rushing yards on the ground by, by the Baltimore Ravens to the Bengals, 147. 404 yards. Unbelievable. As I said, fourth most in NFL history since 1950 that a defense has allowed and the most in Bengals franchise history that they have allowed. So uh, look at the yards. Uh, Interestingly, look at the yards per rush, uh, 7.5 to 7.7. The Bengals actually averaged more yards per run, um, but on far less. Look at this, 54 attempts for 404 yards. Absolutely ran the ball down the Bengals' throats. Um, And then they were successful on three or four red zone tries. The Bengals 0 for 1 in that unbelievable interception that Brandon, Brandon Allen threw to AJ green Uh, penalties. Baltimore actually had more six for 49. Bengals were pretty clean on that side, three for 29. Um, But you know, they lost the turnover battle, didn't get after the quarterback. Um, And then here, here we go at the bottom here, the time of possession, 40 minutes and 31 seconds for the Baltimore Ravens to the Bengals, 19 minutes and 29 seconds. Absolute domination by the Baltimore Ravens. So, Now we sit here and we go, what's next, right? I guess we could talk about the guy whose jersey I'm wearing and just a really sad day in a lot of different respects. Most likely, in in all likelihood, A.J. Green's last last day as a Cincinnati Bengal, last game as a Cincinnati Bengal, didn't have an effect because of the quarterback play um, and because of the defense. You know, he was two touchdowns away from breaking the the team record. He was a little bit of yardage away from breaking that. So that didn't happen this week. The yardage one was probably unrealistic, but if I remember correctly. But the touchdown one, you know, if he had a nice day, you, you would think. an A.J. Green, A.J. Green in years past getting two touchdowns against the Baltimore Ravens was almost a foregone conclusion. So, you know, you kind of hoped that maybe there was – he would get a franchise record on his – probable way out of Cincinnati. you had T Higgins coming into this needed one catch, needed one catch and needed about 90 some yards, which he had been kind of around that yardage amount over the past handful of games to set some rookie marks for the Bengals, get 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 himself a 1000-yard season, set the franchise mark for catches. He gets hurt right away and it was on a big play. There was a penalty on Mike Thomas. So he goes down with a, I think a hamstring tweak. Doesn't doesn't play the rest of the game. He doesn't. The little things. We didn't even get the little things. Even you know, a win would have been a big thing, but we didn't get the little things. The little milestones that we were looking for. Um, and then you know, you've got others that probably aren't aren't going to be here next year. Gino Atkins, um, you know, and some others. So you know, uh, even even the little milestones that we were kind of clinging to to kind of feel good about things going into twenty one. Um, they didn't occur today, which was, which was just a shame, just an absolute shame. Uh, that's, I mean, that's kind of all there is to say about that. Um, I, I will say if we're, if we're going to kind of talk about AJ Green and move on, hell of a hell of a bangles career by AJ Green. I know the last few years have been frustrating for him, for the team and for fans because of all the injuries. He can't really help that stuff. Um, I know this year was just, it was just kind of a shame how everything played out this year. You kind of, he, granted he was healthy the, the entire season, but there were times you wondered if he was a little tentative. There were times if you were, if he had injuries kind of in the back of his mind, um, there was a lot of bad plays that he could have made and, and poor throws by Joe Burrow, by Brandon Allen, by Ryan Finley. Uh, he could, he could have had some nice statistical games, if not for some bad throws and and other bad moments. And then, you know, just, he, he kind of still bracketed coverage at times. So, you know uh, it would be nice if there was a niche that both sides could agree to and, and feel that he could come back and be productive for the Bengals. But it just seems as if he's going to move on elsewhere based on everything here now. So moving on from AJ green, hell of a Bengals career. Number 18, thank you for everything you did for the Cincinnati Bengals. If it is indeed the last time we see you in stripes, I think Bengals fans everywhere can appreciate what A.J. Green did. Um, and I think I think his former quarterback, Andy Dalton, could uh, attest to that. I think he knows that A.J. Green really helped uh, Andy Dalton out in his own pretty pretty good Bengals career as well. So um, if it is the last time we see you, A.J., thank you for everything in your years with the Cincinnati Bengals. You were a star. Uh as other preceding receivers, um, you, you took the baton, man.
0: Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until the Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. But that's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at Canva.com. Designed for work. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them.
1: Let's talk about the coaches. Let's transition and talk about the coaches because coming into this week, at least Jesse of the athletic dropped a report late this week saying, you know, there's going to be some, some shakeups, basically the front office kind of sounded like they forced Zach Taylor's hand and saying, if you're going to, we're going to keep you, we have faith in you, but you, you got to get rid of some of these, these guys, we gave you free reign to bring in quote unquote, your guys and they're not cutting the mustard. And it sounded like it was going to be Jim Turner sounded like it was going to be Nick Eason. And it sounded maybe a couple of other, you know, lower assistants in there. Darren Simmons appeared to be safe. Lou Anna Rumo, uh, his name wasn't mentioned though. You know, people wondered. And of course it sounded like Zach Taylor was going to be retained at least and kind of approve it year in 21. Now with this performance, here's the thing. Okay. I think all of us or, or a lot of us, that said the thing that was going to keep Zach Taylor around, the thing that was going to keep Luana Rumo around in 21 was the effort level that we saw in these past two wins against Houston and against Pittsburgh. The attitude, the playing hard for the coaches, no quitting, um, the fire, all of that kind of stuff, they – uh, we, we kind of felt like, hey, you know, these guys are still playing. It's a depleted roster because of injuries, because of COVID, because of all kinds of things. We know that it's been a challenging first two off seasons for Zach Taylor and his coaching staff. We know all of that. But – Uh, You know, uh, we kind of felt like, you know, these two wins, maybe they're turning a corner. You're hopefully going to get Joe Joe Burrow back in week one. And then here you go. Um, You know, it it may take a little bit for him to kind of get back up to speed because of his injury. But you start, you were hoping to feel a little bit better. Maybe a squeak out a win here uh, against Baltimore. And then, you know, you're really feeling good about some things. Well, this was an absolute just 180 from the performances that we saw the past two weeks absolute 180 and you know the effort level wasn't there the willingness to tackle was not there on defense the execution wasn't there even some of the the game plans and the play calls i think there was a fourth and one um where the, where the Bengals could have you know you're four at the time you're four ten and one and zach taylor goes for a field goal which ended up being the team's only points um and and that's that's it i mean you didn't go for it if, on a 410 and 1 record probably could have or should have and i mean i, I don't know uh this, so there's a lot of questions now the defensive coordinators unit gave up the most rushing yards in franchise history and as i mentioned a couple times now one of the most ever in nfl history at least since dating back to 1950 so wh- what's next well, I know a lot of you uh, or some of you aren't the biggest fans of this gentleman um, for a variety of reasons, uh, but is yeah. here I'm is here. here is Mike Florio. I apologize for the video um, making some noise there. Here, this is from Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk. Will the Bengals bring back Zach Taylor? This is as of a quarter uh, quarter to four Eastern. So this was before the end whistle of the game. So if you see here, um, there are coaching jobs that are wide open. Here's, here's, this was an interesting one in Cincinnati, a definite quote. We'll see vibe has emerged this weekend. Although NFL media has reported that Zach Taylor is expected to return. There's a rumor that making rounds that Taylor could be out. He's going to finish a second season with a record of six and one. And on his watch, Rookie quarterback Joe Burrow was battered and bruised before suffering a serious knee injury. To the extent that the Bengals entered today's game undecided about Taylor, the team did little to save Taylor. Um, working in Taylor's f- favor is the Bengals have a long history of not paying coaches to not work. Marvin Lewis was an example. Um, and that's, this would be the case for Zach Taylor if they let him go after this year. Um, Working against Taylor is the possibility of reuniting Burrow with former LSU offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, who currently serves as offensive coordinator in Carolina. The Bengals may need to move now or risk seeing Brady get serious consideration for a head coaching job elsewhere. So this could be nothing more than, you know, Florio kind of spinning some wheels, but he seems to have some sources in league circles, whatever that may mean that uh, this performance today may call things into question for Zach Taylor. I don't know how much I believe that based on some other things that we've been seeing, but I thought it was very, 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 very interesting about the, the what was said in that piece. Now, I, I tend to think that, that Zach Taylor will be back. I do think that he will be back, and I think that the team will probably point to the two previous wins as a reason why There's probably going to be a short leash and a hot seat. And what's going to happen is the Bengals are going to be pulling in the reins of probably freedom of decisions that they gave Zach Taylor. You know, they kind of gave him the keys to the castle in terms of hires and how he was going to navigate the draft and all that kind of stuff. I know Duke Tobin and and the Blackburns have, you know, major say in that too, but they kind of gave him the keys to the castle and it's netted six wins and a tie in two seasons. So, I, I foresee Zach Taylor being back despite what pro football talk is is saying. I just thought that was an interesting piece and something for Bengals fans to at least know about that it's, that it's floating out there um, among the great reports by Elise Jesse and others that, um, that are out there. And by the way, I think I said Elise Jesse's with the Ath- Athletics. She's with Sports Illustrated and the All Bengals crew. So I apologize if I misspoke there. But at any rate, that one is floating out there. And I think now – I think we know Jim Turner is going to be gone. I think we know you know a couple of these other assistants that are going to be gone. So the big conversation now, if you don't believe that pro football talk about Zach uh, – report about Zach Taylor, I think the big talk now is what's happening with Lou Anarumo because this – for me, he's a hard coordinator to, to gauge. There are a couple of performances like the one the first time around where the Bengals lost 27 to 3, but 7 of those points in Baltimore, 7 of those points came on a defensive return for touchdown and the Bengals held Lamar Jackson to about 2 yards rushing. But in the other performances against Baltimore, the Bengals defense has been an absolute joke. Flip side, you look at the Pittsburgh game. Bengals defense was outstanding that game. On Monday on primetime television, Monday night Last week in Houston, they weren't that great against the run, though. And they let Deshaun Watson kind of have his way. So there's a lot of this, but also that. This, but also that, when you when you want to argue for or against Lou Anarumo. I think part of what also needs to be entered into that discussion is the whole Carlos Dunlap saga and how that whole thing played out. Um, you know, I, I, I'd like to think that there are other veterans in that locker room that don't feel the same way that Carlos Dunlap and Lou Anarumo did. There there was obvious headbutting there, but uh, who knows. Who knows? We're not we're not privy to that. So I, you know, I think I think there's gonna have to be some real long discussions by the Bengals internal operations to figure out what they're going to do. If they're gonna commit to Zach Taylor, there there needs to be a pretty wide shakeup of the coaching staff, I think. Um, because there, there are performances here that are just unacceptable. And it's not just Lou Anarumo's defense either. I mean, guys, I don't know if I, this is probably Zach Taylor and Brian Callahan, but the Bengals have scored six points in two games against Baltimore this year six total points 27 to three and 38 to three. So, that, I mean, that's not even close. That's not even keeping things close and interesting. I know they beat Pittsburgh once they their 1-3 their and three against them. I know they're 1-3 against Cleveland, but some of those were, were pretty ugly as well. So the, the question then is, who does Zach Taylor bring in for these spots? I think if you go, if you get rid of Lou Anarumo, I think Zach Taylor would be very, very wise, or the Bengals would be very, very wise to bring in a guy who... Is a longtime NFL coach has had a tra- some track record of success as a coordinator and is a veteran. Maybe even has some head coaching experience. Whether that's a, maybe a Mike Zimmer, I know Wade Phillips' name. Everybody's throwing that one out. There are a lot of names out there. A lot of names out there that people like, but there needs to be some some experience in, in some of these in some of these positions. Uh, these coaching positions for the Bengals. There needs to be some experience. This is, this has been a young staff. They've kind of learned on the fly. I mentioned two difficult off seasons, two very difficult off seasons, um, but y- you need to have some experience on this staff and uh, not, not the kind of experience that Jim Turner had, um, you know, and I don't want to drag that guy through the mud, but I, I think we know there's a, there's a history there with Jim Turner and and sorts of things. And I, I think Zach Taylor would be better served to have someone that he can lean on McVay did it right. He did it with Wade Phillips. I mean, a lot of young coaches do that. They bring in a guy and it's not, it's not something that should rub their ego the wrong way. It should be a guy that they can, you know, sound off on some issues or ask questions to about when they were a head coach, that sort of thing. There should be a a synergy and a relationship there to help the football team. So, I, again, I didn't bring up that pro football talk report to totally, you know, muddy the waters, but that report is out there, whether you want to believe it or not. Um, I just, I do think today, I, I think the Bengals don't coming into this weekend. We're, we're pretty dead set on keeping Zach Taylor and maybe even Lou Anarumo. Maybe it was the lower level assistants and some other guys that they were going to let go, uh, position coaches, et cetera. And, then you see a performance like this. If you're the Bengals ownership, I, you know, maybe take a step back and say, Whoa, did, did we decide on things a little too quickly here? Um, And again, I've, I've said this a bunch of times on the air. I don't like to be the guy that calls for jobs or the guy that, um, you know, pushes for people to get fired and all kinds of different stuff. But uh, I mean, there's there are some major issues and obvious issues in some very in, in places that uh, kind of repetitive places. This, this the offensive line has been a problem for years, plural. Um, the offense because of the offensive line has been really up and down, and then you got your franchise quarterback hurt this year. The defense, I, I would say, you know, there's probably you know f- four five good solid defensive performances a year in Lou Anarumo's Rumo's two seasons as defensive coordinator. And then the rest has been a lot of, you know, a lot of giving up points and all that kind of stuff. And then you can have the, the chicken or the egg conversation there, you know, is it poor offense that's forcing the defense back out on the field too soon? And then, you know, you go round and round, but the bottom line is the Bengals aren't rushing the passer. Well, even with all the injuries, they're not rushing the passer. Well, they don't force a lot of turnovers. That's been improved the past few weeks, but, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of issues on defense. And, uh, I think a lot of us who watch this on a weekly basis can see it. We're going to get out of here in just a few minutes. Uh, Russ Blackthorne. No, no way. And Anthony should be the new coach. You don't want that Russ. You do not want me to be the coach. I, I am, I am thoroughly not qualified, but I, I appreciate, even if it was a, a funny one, I appreciate the compliment. Um, Hey, this is awesome, Kyle. Thank you. Sucks that we suck, but you guys are the best in the job at team reporting. Bengals nation is like, Hey, hey, Kyle, that's, that's awesome, man. Uh, I I gotta tell you, it's not to be quite honest with you taking the air. I I love taking the air with, with co-hosts. Uh, you know, you get to kind of back and forth a little bit, taking the air, going solo, especially when you're talking about six wins and a tie over the last two seasons. It's not, it's not easy, but, uh, I appreciate the compliment. Um, Michael, Michael Flukas here for a guy who is to be tutored by an offensive phenom and the Rams coach. He's not very imaginative when his offense is in play. Will he relinquish the play calling duties? What do you think? That's a great question and a great point, Michael. And there's one thing that I talked about on a, on a different podcast uh, somewhat recently, but if you look at how McVay's coaching staff is constructed and how Zach Taylor's coaching staff is constructed, there's some, there's some significant differences and there are, for instance, if you remember back to when Zach Taylor was interviewing for the Bengals' job, there was another young coach from the Rams that the Bengals were interested in, and I believe they interviewed him as well. His name was Shane Waldron. He was the passing game coordinator under McVay. He's kind of moved around a little bit. They still have a run game coordinator and a passing game, co- a passing game coordinator on the Ram staff. Go look up their website. You can see now Zach Taylor's done a good job beefing up the Bengals coaching staff. And he's, you know, he's done, he's added some, some pieces there and some more staff pieces, but the Bengals are still underhanded in the scouting department. And, you know, I guess why I'm bringing this up and trying to answer Michael's question with that is if you're going to emulate at least some of, or a good portion of the Rams model, the McVay model that has been successful. You don't have to emulate every single little thing, but I, I would think that there are some pretty critical areas that you want to try and copy. And I think that if, if a having a passing game coordinator and a run game coordinator worked for the LA Rams and Sean McVeigh to get them to a super bowl, getting them potentially to the playoffs again, this uh, this year, you know, I, I think that that's something you maybe look at and, I think also, this is also kind of an ego thing. Um, Zach Taylor probably needs to think about getting a, a different – if he doesn't trust Brian Callahan to call plays or to at least co-call plays or what have you, he needs to find someone that he can trust on that on that front. Because, look, if you remember if, – if you listen to a podcast we did a while back, we talked to Tim McGee, who does, who's a vo- radio voice for the Bengals, and he does a lot of stuff, and he was obviously on their Super Bowl team. Very entertaining interview. I, I kind of asked a question, basically is, you know, do you expect Marvin Lewis to be more successful elsewhere because he doesn't have to do all the things and manage so many different areas of a football team that a head coach uh, that a head coach normally doesn't have to manage around the NFL? And I think that Zach Taylor kind of came in, you know, young guy, hungry and ready to prove himself, and he's eager and he's ambitious, and he comes in and there's more there's more on the plate to be a a head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, at least from what we know and what we've heard, there's more on the plate. And when you're you're a first-time head coach, haven't even been a a true NFL offensive coordinator, he was an interim guy, when you're a first-time NFL head coach, a young guy, haven't had a lot of experience in general coaching at the NFL level, you come in as a first-time head coach, you assume play calling duties, and then you're overseeing all the other areas of a football team, which is – what a lot of coaches do but again with the Bengals, there's just more and go back and listen to that tim mcgee interview he corroborates you know our theory on that but um you know there's just more to it and and i think that the play calling thing falls into you know just biting off a little more than he can chew right away and you know i think that's something that also needs to be evaluated this offseason I, I really do um Chris Risner. So who do we pick first? You know, I think the Bengals are still at number five. I I should have done my homework before I took the air. I think they're still at number five there based on everything that played out. Um, If someone wants to correct me there, we, we will, um, we can, we can take a look at that, but you know, I think it it totally depends on who is there. uh, Based on this question from Chris totally depends on who is there. Um, I think, I think we'd all like to see Sewell, and, and this is what's funny, too, about the draft. Every every single year, we hear it every single year. No way that guy's going to be there. No way. Absolutely no way. He's never going to be there. Don't even mock draft him. He's never going to be there. And lo and behold, every year – now, it's not necessarily in the top five, but lo and behold, there are people that drop and fall in drafts, and fans don't know why. Other people don't know why. The ESPN and NFL Network talking heads don't know why. Remember Andrew Billings, he was mock-drafted to the Bengals countless times in the first round. They got him in the fourth. Um, So, I mean, that's just one example of of many, many. So, it's unlikely that Panesua will make it to number five or outside the top five. But there's probably three quarterbacks that are going to be taken within that top five. Maybe a corner maybe a wide receiver. And all of a sudden, if you're the Bengals, you have, you have Sewell sitting in your, in your lap and you didn't think you'd be there. So I think if Sewell's there, you got to take that guy. I, I, I I get a little hesitant because he didn't play this last year, but from what you saw in the previous two years, as a very young player, he's exceptional. He is exceptional. So um, I I think you take Sewell, but this team, now we talked about AJ green. Um, Look, AJ green's set to be a free agent. John Ross is set to be a free agent. Mike Thomas is set to be a free agent. And, Um, Alex Erickson is set to be a free agent. That's four wide receivers. So whether it's Kyle Pitts as kind of that flex hybrid, you know, um, freak athlete playing tight end, whether you you, you get that guy as a pass catching option or, you know, you wait till round two again, top of round two, top of round three for more options, this team's going to need pass catchers and they're going to need talent. You'll have Boyd, you'll have Auden Tate back. Um, You know, you got T. Higgins coming back after a really good rookie season from him. And, uh, you know, you're going to need to restock that cabinet. And I, and I gotta tell you, I love Alex Erickson's story and, you know, undrafted guy and played a lot of years for the Bengals. But, uh, you know, I, I kind of have seen enough from the the punt return stuff. And I, I think, you know, I, I think he's replaceable is, is what I'm saying. Like the guy, good character guy, you know, done a lot of, Good things for this team, and was a really good story a handful of years ago when he made it. But um, you know, I, I think you need to you need to restock that that cabinet, so to speak. Uh, so th- those are some areas to look. But I mean, the, again, edge rusher—you got to bring pressure, and you got to bolster your offensive line. Those are two areas of critical critical need for any football team, and the Bengals seem to to need that. And also a sneaky need that not a lot of people are talking about is interior defensive line. We talked about Geno Atkins maybe moving on. Josh Tupo didn't play this year. Um, we don't know what's going on with with Christian Covington, Marcus Hunt, if they're going to come back, all that kind of stuff. So the Bengals, Mike Daniels is on a, a one year deal. He played pretty well. I would assume they'd like to have him back. He seems to like Cincinnati. So defensive interior has to be in the discussion as well. Um, probably by by day two, maybe in that you know where they love to get interior defensive lineman in the fourth round so maybe that's where they look for some of those but they're gonna need some help there too they're gonna need some help there too so that's kind of where i would look i'm gonna get out of here guys i said i was gonna keep it short i do this all the time i'm gonna keep this one short i'm gonna keep this one short and here i go almost 40 minutes but thanks everybody for tuning in not only this week but for every single week that you tune in i know uh this hasn't been a great bengal season and hey Sometimes we give opinions or whatever that you guys don't agree with, or uh, some people accuse me on Twitter of, of hate, quote unquote, hate watching the Bengals. I like that. That was funny. Um, so maybe our Twitter accounts aren't, aren't up to your, up to your taste all the time or what have you. But guys, I got to tell you this before we, before we get out of here for the final post game show of the year, we've had literally between the post game shows and orange, black insider, orange is the new black. We've had, millions of views this year on our Facebook page on our YouTube pages all of that millions because of you guys we've had hundreds of thousands of audio downloads throughout the year um, through multiple platforms and uh, it's just flattering it really is flattering that that uh, you guys tune in and uh, keep it to us we try and be consistent we try and give you a lot of material and um, we hope you enjoy it so just from me And the rest of the gang at Cincy Jungle, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting our programs. Thank you for keeping it to the website. We are one of, even though the Bengals haven't been very good and they're not one of the most popular teams in the NFL, Cincy Jungle performs as one of the best websites and one of the best podcast channels within the SB Nation Network. So that's because of you guys, and we appreciate that. We appreciate that a bunch. And I hope that you all have a great new year. 21's going to be it guys. We're going to we're going to turn the corner in 21, I promise. And by the way, this isn't because I'm thanking you, this isn't telling you that we're not going to bring you more material. We've got a ton of material, a ton of guests and all kinds of stuff. We're going to be better this year than we were already in 2020 and it was a great year for us. So, stick with us. We appreciate it. Bengals lose 38 to 3 to the Baltimore Ravens in week 17. They finished the season 4-11 and 1. They have a top pick in next year's draft. We'll see what happens with the coaching changes. You'll probably be hearing from us this week with some of that news, too. So take it easy, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. We'll see you soon.
0: Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block